Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome everybody, this is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host Al Melchior. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I think I've gotten a little bit of rest after the crazy deadline show yesterday with Matt Modica. That was fun, though, I got to say. That was really fun. Uh, So today should be a little saner, a lot slower, probably. (laughs) Certainly not as much news. But uh, there was one deal that uh, I did not get to see in the final seconds or a couple of minutes uh, on the show. Uh, we will talk about that one, and I'll keep you in suspense uh, for at least a few minutes here. Uh, we've got uh, a few Astros uh, notes of uh, of importance to, uh, to check out. Uh, we've got Mike Leone on for the first time in a few weeks uh, from DailyRoto.com. So we're going to take a look at tonight's slate. It's not a real big one, but it's really interesting. Uh, I think both from uh, the the batting side and the pitching side. Got a lot of questions for Mike. And also going to work in a little bit of post-trade deadline analysis with Mike Leone. uh, Because, well, for one thing, we've got Cole Hamels making his first start for the the Cubs uh, tonight. Uh, But, you know, we've just some pitching staffs in general maybe – Got a little more trustworthy, a little less trustworthy with some of the trades uh, affecting defense, affecting uh, the bullpens. So uh, there's actually a lot to slice and dice with Mike Leone uh, on the show today, in spite of the fact that it's not uh, a very big nighttime slate. we got a lot of daytime baseball going on. Those two things are pretty much related, the the small nighttime slate and a lot of daytime baseball going on. So I'll check in on uh, the games in progress. So uh, away we go here. Uh, first of all, probably the, the biggest item not having anything to do with the uh, deadline is that Chris Sale was placed on the DL with left shoulder inflammation. Uh, Brian Johnson's going to take his Spartan spot in the Red Sox rotation, uh, which comes up on Thursday against the Yankees. Uh, like what Johnson's done this year, don't love that matchup. So uh, I'm certainly not going on my way to start Brian Johnson on Thursday. But uh, this has been termed as a precautionary move. For the Red Sox, they're hopeful it'll be a minimum 10-day stay for Chris Sale. I'm not even going to begin to speculate on uh, whether or not we can count on that or not, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll we'll know more going into the weekend and see if uh, Sale is somebody we could even uh, look forward to using uh, in the coming week. Uh, obviously, though, not making his start this week. So uh, that's uh, that's the the big story. Also, uh, George Springer looked like he might have been a big story for today. Uh, left Tuesday night's game against the Mariners early, actually in the second inning, uh, trying to make a diving catch, banged up his shoulder. But then, then after the game, uh, this is great. I actually just saw this tweet a little bit before coming on air here. This from uh, Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle. Just going to read the tweet. 
A.J. Hinch was greeted in his office by a shirtless George Springer following last night's game. Springer began doing jumping jacks to demonstrate he's ha- he has a full range of motion in his injured left shoulder. Springer is probably available today. That may be true, but George Springer is not in the Astros lineup. That's going to be one of the day games today. A 110 starts Pacific time. Uh, Astros and Mariners, Dallas Keuchel and Wade LeBlanc should be a good uh, pitcher's duel with those lefties but there's no uh, Springer in the lineup. And in another uh, move affecting the Astros' uh, outfield, Kyle, Kyle Tucker was sent back down to AAA Fresno. He hadn't been playing much lately, and that probably had a little something to do with the fact that when he did first get called up and was playing, didn't really do too much at the plate. And Tony Kemp has been really good and, and picking up a lot of playing time. In fact, he's going to be leading off this afternoon for the Astros and playing left field. Uh, Jake Marisnik, who just got called up, is going to play center. And again, that's just probably a, hopefully I should say, a short-term thing uh, filling in for George Springer. Uh, but uh, anyhow, I'll, I'll get to lineups, the rest of the lineups, much, much later on the show. But uh, with uh, the demotion of Kyle Tucker back to AAA, I do think that's a good thing for Tony Kemp, uh, who... Maybe could steal a few bases here and there, hits for average, gets on base, great plate discipline, great contact skills. Not a lot of power. That's the one thing that's uh, that's missing from Tony Tony Kemp's game. But somebody asked me a, a question on Twitter earlier today, and I thought, wow, that this is a good question and a very good comp. And you wouldn't necessarily think so, just in terms of the the names involved. Uh, they asked me, who did I like better rest of season, Adam Eaton or Tony Kemp? Well, I said I'm Adam Eaton because I do trust the playing time more. I trust the track record a little bit more. There's more of a track record with Adam Eaton. I think there's a little bit more power potential there, although I'm not really counting on it from Eaton. But I thought, wow, these two players are very, very similar. Uh, And, you know, both on good teams with good offenses. Uh, Although the Astros have really struggled lately, but uh, there's going to be more to say about that in just a moment. But, uh, yeah, now if you're wondering about Tony Kemp and wondering whether or not it's worthwhile to pick him up, uh, yeah, I guess you could say uh, poor man's Adam Eaton, and there's much, much worse things to be than that. So, uh, as I mentioned, we got some other uh, Astros-related news. And uh, Carlos, or I'm sorry, not uh, Carlos Correa, uh, (laughs) Jose Altuve uh, is set to resume hitting and running on Friday. Uh, he's been uh, he was placed a few days back on the 10 day DL with a knee injury. So good news there for uh, Jose Altuve. And yes, now the Carlos Correa news here uh, that he is slated to start rehab games on Thursday. So without those two hitters, Astros lineup has suffered a bit over the last couple of weeks. And by the way, while the Astros are, I think, fourth from the bottom at Woba since the all star break, number one team. And this surprised me, even though they just had a huge offensive series against the Rays, the Baltimore Orioles. So I, I'm sure that they'll dip a bit in the standings, uh, not in the standings, but, you know, the uh, rankings in terms of Woba uh, with Jonathan Scope get down because, of course, he's been absolutely red hot since the break. But uh, that, that still surprised me to see the Orioles at the top of those rankings uh, since the uh, since the All-Star break. Uh, so, uh, back to, uh, some, some news items here. 
Kyle Seeger has been on the paternity list, but he is due back on Thursday. So if you're in a daily lineup league and you've got uh, Seeger rostered, uh, you can probably start using again as soon as tomorrow. So good deal there. And uh, sorry, uh, Jonathan Scope, this is the deal that I missed at the very end of the show. At least I think I did. My memory is right on this one. Don't think we actually got that uh, Jonathan Scope deal. I think we said it was close to being done. It did get done, which I'm sure you know by now. Uh, so going the other way to the Orioles, Jonathan VR, Luis Ortiz, and uh, a rookie, rookie league shortstop, uh, Gene Carmona. So those are the three players going to Baltimore for Jonathan Scope. Uh, for uh, VR, not a, a great situation for him because Buck Showalter teams tend to not run a lot. And if VR is not still on bases, he's not really giving you much value. But I imagine he'll probably get a lot of playing time there for the Orioles. Ortiz is a nice uh, nice pitching prospect and, and having something of a bounce back year this year. And, of course, Carmona, a uh, long, long way away. I believe he's uh, 18 years old and, again, just in the, in the rookie league uh, uh, playing in the Pioneer League, just uh, up the road for me in uh, Helena. But now moving on over to the Orioles. As for Scope, this, uh, you know, in, in all the, the hubbub of the, the deadline deals yesterday, Matt Modique and I didn't really get a good chance to contemplate, well, where exactly is Jonathan Scope going to play? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Brewers aren't really sure either. So I did see... Uh, a piece on MLB.com uh, where, uh, and, and unfortunately I don't even remember if it was Craig Council or somebody else in the organization, uh, but saying that Scope could play some shortstop, that that really makes a lot of sense. Because I, I think unless, well, I don't know, because I, I was going to say you could move Travis Shaw over to first, but you know, you've know you got a log jam over there. <laughs> so there's a log jam everywhere on that roster, other than maybe a catcher and starting pitcher. But there's there's a you know there's a real logjam there, and so basically the quote in the MLB piece was that they're going to mix and match. So in a sense, it's probably slightly bad news for everybody for Mustakis, for Travis Shaw, for Jonathan Scope. I would think it's probably pretty bad news for Orlando Arcia, but he's not been fantasy relevant this year. Uh, you know, maybe uh, takes a little chunk of playing time even away from Jesus Aguilar, who has struggled a bit of late. Because, again, you can take uh, Travis Shaw and put him over at first base occasionally. So I think everybody's – it's probably a, a lot like the Dodgers situation right now where there's a, there, uh, there's a good chance that everybody's just going to m- miss a little bit of time. And it may not really add up to enough where you're going to notice it that much in fantasy, but we'll see what happens because maybe, in fact, maybe that's not what happens. Uh, it's just not clear to me who would sit. Like I said, other than Arcia, he would seem to be uh, a clear odd man out of this situation. And speaking of the Brewers, very unusual situation last night that uh, could have gotten overlooked with all of this trade stuff, and especially with the Brewers, you know, getting Jonathan Scope and a lot of head scratching going on around that. They got a great start from Wade Miley against the Dodgers. And uh, Walker Bueller also a very nice start. So good pitchers duel was one nothing game. Brewers over the Dodgers. Miley lasted seven innings and the eighth inning belonged to Joaquim Soria. Okay, nothing too weird there at all. The ninth inning was Jeremy Jeffress. was not Corey Kniebel. Kniebel has really struggled over the past month. 
And it turns out he's really struggled, especially against right-handed hitters. So the quote from Craig Council after the game was that he chose uh, he chose Jeffress because there are uh, a bunch of right-handed hitters due up for the Dodgers and didn't want Knievel to, to, to face the right-handers. So that seems like a kind of big deal to me uh, because uh, Jeffress, while he has not been quite as good over the past month as he had been over the first three months of the season, and he looked like he was due for some regression, uh, he has been terrible, but he's certainly come down a notch. But he's really just kept rolling against righties. So those two relievers have really diverged in terms of their trend against right-handed hitters. So while, to me, this call from Craig Council really came out of nowhere, with 2020 hindsight, hindsight you look back at the, at the stats of the two relievers, it makes a world of sense. And I would think unless Jeffress falters his next time or two out, there could be a change in the situation long term for the Brewers, where maybe it's a uh, it's back to a committee situation uh, and one maybe where Jeffress even gets uh, gets the bulk of the work. So that's one to watch. I don't want to go overboard on this. It's one game. It's one statement from Craig Council. Managers don't always follow through or follow up, uh, you know, with their their justifications for things. But I thought this was really interesting, especially in light of the fact that Cadable just has not been reliable lately. And when they got Soria, my thought was, well, another bad appearance or two or three out of Cadable, and maybe Joaquin Soria is the closer uh, because he had been so good with the White Sox. But now Je- Jeremy Jeffress, it looks like he may be getting some saves. So kind of funny that in all of the anticipation of the trade deadline and so many different relievers rumored to be on the move and so a few of them actually getting traded that the, the one uh, – you know, setup type that that comes out of the end of July, maybe with a new role, is actually Jeremy Jeffers. So that is one to watch. Also uh, related to uh, that topic in terms of uh, relievers being traded and closers and waiting becoming actual closers, uh, it seemed like the, the path had been cleared for Jose Leclerc because on Tuesday, both Kay and Kayla and Jake Diekman had been traded. But uh, subsequent to those trades, uh, Jeff Bannister, the manager, of course, of the of the Rangers, said he was not going to name a closer yet. And he certainly did include LeClerc uh, among those that would get a chance at saves. But he also mentioned Chris Martin, who uh, just got activated. Uh, he mentioned Corey Guerin, who was recently acquired. And uh, I know I am missing somebody else. Oh, Alex Claudio, who closed for the Rangers down the stretch. So he mentioned those four by name. And uh, I still think it's going to be, I still think it's going to be Leclerc. It it just makes too much sense, given how he has been used, uh, that he was really next in line in in terms of, you know, being the seventh inning guy ahead of Diekman, ahead of Kayla, uh, pitched the eighth, the other ninth, uh, the other night with a a three-run lead. Uh, and he's just clearly he's the best one of the group. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, hey, Alex Claudio's got experience. Well, when Alex Claudio got that experience last year, you got to remember that he was the best reliever in that bullpen at the time. So if Bannister shows a proclivity to give the best reliever the save opportunities, then Jose Leclerc is clearly uh, the guy because he's been much better than Alex Claudio this year. He's been much better than Chris Martin 
Uh, he's he's been he's the best of the group. So I would still hold tight there on Leclerc or pick him up if uh, if he's out there. All right, back to some injury news. Uh, a, the, it's a frayed left rotator cuff for Jake Lamb. He's either going to have surgery or rehab it. Those would seem to be the two choices. And uh, if he does have surgery, that will be season-ending surgery for Jake Lamb. And, of course, recently the Diamondbacks did acquire Eduardo Escobar, so they're covered at third base if Lamb does not come back. It certainly is going to be uh, a long road back no matter what for Jake Lamb. According to MLB.com, Steven Strasburg has been cleared to throw. He did play catch on Monday, so he was obviously cleared before that. And uh, Davey Martinez says that he doesn't think that it will take Strasburg a long time to get himself ready to return. So good news there. And also some good news for you, Darvish, according to the Chicago Sun-Times. Darvish threw uh, 55 pitches in the bullpen session, used all of his pitches, and said he felt no pain or discomfort. And a direct quote here from you, Darvish. I'm really excited. And you know what? I'm really excited, too, because we're going to break, and after the break, I get to talk to Mike Leone about tonight's slate. So you should be excited to, uh, as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, with us, uh, as promised, uh, we're going to have Mike Leone here in just uh, just a moment. But before we do that, I uh, got a quick message for everybody out there. Uh, when you want to win your Fantasy Football League, you simply must go to the very best source of information that you can find. All right. Uh, not sure. I apologize for that uh, because uh, I was hearing an intro there. And uh, so uh, don't know. I assume that you heard that. Uh, but I'm going to start over again. I apologize. Uh, but when you want to win your fantasy football league, you must simply go to the very best source of information you can find. And that is rotoexperts.com senior writer Jake Seeley. It's an indisputable fact. No other fantasy football analyst in the industry is a better player ranker and accuracy expert than the all-in kid in 2017. Jake Seeley was the number one draft accuracy ranker in the entire industry, as was verified by FantasyPros.com, has been consistent number three, or excuse me, consistent top three ranker throughout his distinguished career. If you want to go with the best, and you should, you'll be the best. So get Jake Seeley's 2018. Fantasy football rankings right now in the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package. Just enter the promo code WINNER at checkout for a special discount. All right. Well, uh, anyways, apologize for a little bit of uh, confusion there uh, at the opening, but uh, 
I think we're all good now, and uh, I am certainly excited to uh, bring on Mike Leone from DailyRoto.com. Uh, Mike, great to have you back on the show. Hey, Al. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, yeah, absolutely my pleasure. So, uh, uh, it's yeah, it's been, been a little while. I think uh, maybe first time since the break here. Uh, that we've uh, we've had you on, and of course now we're we're past, well past the break, and now we're past the trade deadline, and there are some uh, things before we get into the the specifics of tonight's slate, which is you know it's not real big, uh, but I want to just kind of take a, a a broader look here at the impact that some of the trades might have had on how we're viewing certain teams, uh, whether it's a pitching staff or uh, looking at hitters and matchups. Uh, but uh, a lot of bullpen movement, not as much maybe as we were expecting. But do you think that some of the teams that fortified their bullpens, and two that come to mind, and please feel free if you're to add any that I'm not thinking of here, but the Mariners and Diamondbacks in particular, I think really did a good job of adding depth to their bullpens. Does that make their, their starters more trustworthy? So it definitely helps their starters in terms of, you know, when they're leaving guys on base in the middle of inning, people are coming in and, and pres- you know, stranding those runners, helping preserve the ERA, helping preserve the lead so they can get a win. It helps, but it, it's just, it's really a small thing. And the one thing that we take into account on Daily Roto with our projections is, you know, the Vegas odds in terms of uh, the money line for the starting pitcher. We convert that uh, along with the starting pitcher, like how deep they'll pitch into a game into a win probability. And we'll also look at the implied run total against for that team and the starting pitcher. And I think those things get captured in those Vegas lines. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing that our projections are catching. What it interests me more from like a macro perspective for DFS is actually in tournaments when I'm making stacks, I think about the bullpens that they're going against. I think a lot of people just focus on that initial matchup against the starting pitcher. But if you're really going to have a stack go off for the night, I mean, you don't want a stack going up against the Yankees and then getting signed by that really good bullpen. And you just mentioned uh, the Mariners as a team that upgraded their bullpen. And right now with our updated bullpen baselines, we have them uh, with the second lowest weighted on base average baseline uh, of all of the bullpens in the league. So it's going to be difficult that even if there's a good starting matchup against a good uh, Mariners starter, it might be difficult for an opposing staff to realize their upside. Whereas some of these teams that have bad bullpens and have made some trades and traded away their relievers could have even worse bullpens. You'd be even more prone to stacking against them in tournaments and really realizing that big time upside for all nine innings of the game. Yeah. Well, as you said that, that's a great point. Uh, The Rangers certainly stood out to me. I'm not sure if there's uh, another team maybe that that comes to mind for you, but uh, uh, you know, a team that, that doesn't have great starting pitching, uh, but the the bullpen was something of a strength, and but not not so much now. Yes, yeah, certainly the Rangers we have as being a favorable plus matchup for opposing hitters in both weighted on base average and isolated power uh, against that bullpen. So we're we're definitely in agreement with you there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I got one more again, sort of macro le- level question here. And I, I, early on in the show, I talked about the Jonathan Scope deal and just what a crazy scenario that is for the Brewers. And, uh, you know, anybody's guess is, is as good as mine in terms of how they're going to align that uh, that infield defense. But you will most likely have multiple players playing out of position on any given day. Uh, does that make uh, the, the Brewers perhaps a, a better team to uh, to stack against? Yeah, it does. And it's something that is hard to capture 
in the projections because it you know goes into I guess you'd call it batting average of balls in play you'd expect to be higher and generally that's a thing that you're trying to normalize for because it can be skewed in a lot of cases just by luck you know that's when you know Moneyball and everything came out that was one of the first areas that was started and really looked into was okay we are overrating or underrating starting pitchers sometimes based on their batting average of balls in play which they don't have that much control over but we have found over time is not only are there are some starting pitchers that will have a better or worse than league average batting average of balls in play due to their profile you know the, the batted ball data hard hit stuff but also due to the defense behind them so again something that's gonna be hard to capture in an individual projection it'll circle back to the starting pitchers projection baseline that we're using in our projections on dailyroto.com but i do think there's going to be some hidden upside there where uh, and the and the line too, Al, sometimes between a stack going off and not going off can be really fine. I mean, you get one misplayed ball with you know runners on and two outs. You know, a threat mm-hmm. that could have ended right then and there could turn into a three-four run inning. The bullpen's coming in early, and it really can have an exponential impact. It's not something you're going to feel every single night, uh, but the range of outcomes certainly gets wider on each night. Ah, interesting, interesting. Well, uh, you know, normally we we start off uh, in this segment, you know, talking about pitchers, but uh, I actually want to focus on some hitters. Uh, one hitter in particular to start off here since we are on a uh, trade deadline theme. Tommy Pham is uh, reportedly going to be in the Rays lineup tonight. I don't know if that lineup is actually out yet, but I I'd, uh, read yesterday that uh, Kevin Cash was planning on starting Tom, Tommy Pham tonight. Uh, so do you like him against the Angels and Nick Tropiano, who... Uh, you know, it could be a bit volatile. Yeah, and the nice thing with Fam is he's, you know, an event upside-oriented player. And we talk about event upside, we're talking about homers and steals. That's really what's driving uh, the upside from a DFS standpoint. You know, last year in under 130 games, 23 homers, 25 stolen bases. Now, not quite at that pace this year, but under 100 games already has 14 and 10. Uh, outside chance at a 2020 season, but certainly can get there uh, with in the home run department into the mid 20s, stolen bases is going to take some work depending on how much they let him run. But because of that uh, nature to his game, I, I do think he's a good play and someone that might not really go that own just because of you know the new lineup and whatnot and the lack of familiarity there. All right. Well, uh, and speaking of somebody new to a lineup, not because of a trade, but because of a call-up, uh, Royals brought up uh, prospect Ryan O'Hearn, first base prospect, and in his debut, he uh, hit a home run, home run off of James Shields. Uh, that's a series that's at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, so it's a good home run ballpark. Uh, O'Hearn in the minor leagues, not especially a powerful hitter, but uh, he's got that park. Uh, he's got Dylan Covey tonight, a ground ball pitcher, but one who still could be susceptible to the home run. Uh do you think that O'Hearn would be a, a good sort of hot hand play uh, where you could save money there and spend elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, we'll see where he is in the lineup. I think that will dictate it some. But it, it's ironic because he did homer yesterday, as you mentioned, off of Shields. But we don't have him, you know, opposite of Tommy Pham as a very upside-oriented guy, you know, someone that's really only going to steal a couple of bags a year. And the power for a first baseman hasn't been there. He had just a 159 ISO in the minors. You know, we're projecting him somewhere around 150 with an overall ISO. And the context of this game is great for a lot of guys because 
They're on offenses that aren't that great, so their prices are deflated and down, but the context of being in a good hitter's park, bad starting pitchers on both sides of this game drive a lot of values in this game. Um, But O'Hearn, I'm not really buying quite yet just because of that lack of upside that I'm seeing in terms of the home run uh, and stolen base department. All right, so what hitters do you like tonight, uh, both individually and as part of a stack? So for tonight's slate, it is a small six-game slate, uh, which is a bit frustrating. We Usually on Wednesdays, we get a, a bit better of a slate, but uh, the offenses that we're looking to target on this slate, if you look at our stack rankings, we've got the White Sox, Dodgers, Royals, and Braves. So that Royals-White Sox game, as I mentioned, is in our Tier 1 of stack. So I think O'Hearn, even though I don't like him as a one-off play because of lack of upside, if you get him as a part of his stack, I think that's an okay route to take. Just And, again, the value here outside of O'Hearn, a lot of guys like, you know, Whit Merrifield, for example, for Kansas City, it's just really high because – the context is so great relative to what we're used to seeing. And the other thing, too, is you look at some of the other parks that are in play, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, you know, the Dodgers. These are parks that are pretty pitcher-friendly, right, Al? So uh, that kind of evens things out. It's, it's a weird slate, though, because and I don't know how you feel about it, but you're balancing the context of these teams in really good spots with the fact that they don't have really good lineups. So obviously the Dodgers and the Braves, are two teams that have really strong lineups, but they're not in uh, the same environment, same upside, you know, spot as you get the Royals and White Sox. So it, it's a difficult slate uh, to manage. I, I realize that answer didn't come off as specific as I wanted it to, but that's kind of how I'm looking at the slate from like a macro perspective. Yeah. So no, no I mean, I, I, you know, sometimes the, the answer is not simple and, and, you know, basically, it's just there's not going to be a clear cut choice, given, like you said, the, the combination of environment and uh, strength of lineup. Uh, so, yeah, that is frustrating. I can't, can't disagree with you. There. I, yeah, I, I will throw like an interesting DraftKings tournament play, I think, for me is uh, Lorenzo Kane from Milwaukee leading off against Rich Hill. Because I think Rich Hill, just due to the nature of the starting pitchers on this slate, is going to be somewhat chalky. Um, but you do get the platoon edge there for Kane. Hitting leadoff on the road is always good because of the amount of plate appearances that we're expecting. Uh, so I think that's that's an interesting tournament play where uh, it's a guy that rates really well for us from a value perspective. And a lot of times those guys tend to be the chalkier guys. But I think in this specific slate, he's not going to be one of the chalkier plays. All right. Interesting. Uh, well, what about Hill in, in cash games? Because to me, it seems like he would be the the best option on a limited slate. Uh, But do you agree with that? So he is definitely the most talented starting pitcher on the slate. Uh, It's really not even close from a pure talent perspective. And the other thing about that too, is he's been pitching really well recently. You know, he had some up and down Mm -hmm. to this season, but we're seeing him, you know, just a 3.6 implied run total against, you know, he's got the ability to rack up strikeouts. And he's allowed two earned runs or less in four of his last five, at least seven strikeouts in four or five as well. So, you know, you look at all that together and you think he'd be a phenomenal play. But the reason why we don't have him as a cash game lock is the price is appropriate on both sides. And one of the things that comes into play quite a bit on this slate for a small slate, more so than it does a lot of times on bigger slates, but we get a lot of extreme umpires in both directions. 
which is mm-hmm. something that we're calculating into our projections. And with Hill, he gets Alfonso Marquez, which is one of the most unfavorable umpires in all of baseball for an opposing starting pitcher. So we've docked his projection um, by a decent percentage as a result of that. And that is keeping him as like a tournament play who's got the upside given his talent and his ability to generate strikeouts. But in cash games, you know, we'd like to go a bit more in that mid-tier. Interesting. All right. Well, I, you know, I'm not sure if you're in your mid-tier, but there are three pitchers in particular that I think are pretty intriguing. And one is Cole Hamels making his Cubs debut. Uh, so would he be one of the more uh, attractive options for tonight? And what's just sort of your general impression of uh, how Hamels' value might change uh, moving over to the NL? Yeah, sticking with the, the trade deadline theme here. And we're, we're with you on Hamels. We like Hamels tonight as one of the better value starting pitchers. You're getting him on DraftKings for $1,700 less than you're going to get Rich Hill. And he's also got one of the most favorable starting pitchers, or umpires for starting pitchers. So he's like the opposite end of the spectrum there, which really helps. But as far as his overall value, I mean, it's a great move for him. It's a positive league shift going from the American League, which is just generally tougher, uh, both talent and in terms of having to face the DH, and league shift, too. In Texas, of course, he was in a terrible park for starting pitchers, and now he's pitching in PNC Park tonight, which isn't a great park for strikeouts, but for deflating right-handed offense in particular really does favor the starting pitcher side of things. All right, all right. Well, good to know. And then uh, just to wind up here, because we get, we have just about a minute left here, uh, but two pitchers that intrigue me, Luke Weaver and Pablo Lopez, uh, really because of, of the matchups, the natures of, of the, the hitters they're going to be facing. Weaver has been much better in terms of control lately. Uh, I do worry that he's facing a Rockies team that's pretty aggressive in the zone. And then you got Pablo Lopez, uh, whose control is not great, but he is good at getting chases, and the Braves are not that discriminating. So Weaver, Lopez, either one uh, interesting to you? Of the two, I think Weaver's the most interesting. It, it, he's been frustrating this season, really. That's when I had high expectations for, given how awesome he was at the end of last year, and we really haven't seen you know, quite the same level of upside from him. But this Rockies offense is just a good one to pick on when they're on the road. They're 28th in weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching. They strike out in an above-average league rate. If you look at some of the surface stats, they look a lot better just because cores has played stuff so much. But, of course, that weighted runs created plus metric that I mentioned, that is accounting for Park, and that's why they rate so lowly there. St. Louis, of course, a favorable pitching environment. So I think Weaver is another guy in that mid-tier with Hamill. That's a good play. All right, so yes on Weaver, no on Lopez. Good way to finish up here. Mike Leone, thank you so much. Looking forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. All right, thanks, Al. Have a good one. Thanks, you too. All right, we'll be right back in just a few. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. 
The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Mike Leone, for dropping in. Uh, Mike from uh, DailyRoad.com, uh, always great analysis, brings in the uh, umpire info, brings in the bullpen info. Just uh, That was a fantastic analysis by Mike Leone. So uh, I thank you, Mike, for uh, dropping in on the show today. So we are giving away more World Series tickets here on FNTSY Sports Radio Network, and this time it's to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival, and while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70%, that's nearly 14,000 people each year, they must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. You can find out how you can help the cause and also at the same time win 2018 World Series tickets by playing free daily fantasy baseball. Just go to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. That's dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. It's your ticket to the World Series and someone's ticket to life. So a few news items that uh, I did not get around to during the uh, first segment of the show. Let's get them now, and then we'll uh, take a look at uh, lineups as lineups are coming in, look at the weather, and look at uh, a few performances from uh, deadline day as well. So Lourdes Gurriel has been placed on the DL. It did look like a pretty bad injury when he sustained it. Uh, There was a little bit of optimism, probably misplaced, uh, given that now the diagnosis is a left knee sprain and a left high ankle sprain. And in one of the more sort of bizarre uh, projections of missed time, uh, Gurriel is expected to miss somewhere between two and six weeks. So either he'll be back shortly or he will miss almost the rest, whole rest of the season. Uh, so that's that's tough, but I think you do have to stash him. And uh, hopefully he'll be closer to the two-week part of that projection. Although I got to say with a high ankle sprain and a knee sprain, that, that sounds bad to me, but I'm no medical doctor, so uh, I'll just hope that it's closer to two weeks because I'm stashing him in a few leagues myself. Uh, Jay Happ now has the hand, foot, and mouth disease. That plagued uh, no Syndergaard. Uh, However, Aaron Boone is still optimistic, according to The Athletic, that uh, Happ can make his scheduled start on Saturday. So that would certainly be great for Happ because that is just a nasty, nasty virus. Uh, and Saturday would mean that he's not dealing with it for too long. Uh, but uh, we shall see. We shall see on Saturday, if not before. Speaking of Noah Syndergaard, he was activated earlier today. He pitched in the uh, Mets 5-3 to loss to the Nationals, which just finished up a little while ago. Uh, Syndergaard went seven innings, just gave up three runs, only four strikeouts. But hey, a first start back from uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease, that's pretty good. 
I'll take that. In fact, I did take that in one of my leagues today. Uh, but he was outpitched by Tommy Malone. First win of the season for Malone. Seven innings, just one run on three hits, no walks, nine strikeouts. Uh, but in a highlight for the Mets, and the Mets have needed highlights in that last couple of days, uh, Jose Reyes, who did not fare so well as a pitcher on Tuesday night, fared very well as a hitter today, hitting his second and third home runs uh, of the season. Uh so at least a little something good there for the Mets. Uh, but anyways, getting back uh, to news items and getting back to the Mets, uh, Stephen Matz uh, says he's been dealing with a dead arm and felt some forearm tightness, according to Mickey Calloway. Uh, so uh, as reported by Newsday, the Mets are going to have Mets uh, checked out, probably getting an MRI within the next couple of days. Does not sound good, but clearly something was off uh, for Matt's in that uh, 25 to four loss on Tuesday. Uh, so, all right, uh, let's uh, take a quick look here at what lineups are in, and actually a couple lineups that we should uh, we should get to right away because uh, game is going to start in about uh, 20 25 minutes. That's Astros and Mariners I mentioned earlier in the show. No George Springer, who's dealing with uh, a shoulder injury, uh, his jumping jacks notwithstanding. He's not in the starting lineup. Uh, you got Max Stacy back at catcher and batting sixth. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier in the show, but the outfield alignment for the Astros is Kemp in left. Marisnik, who's just called up in center. Josh Reddick in right. And uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. The Mariners... Looks like a pretty normal lineup, except for uh, no Denard Spam, but he's not going to play much against lefties. It's uh, Dallas Keuchel going for the Astros, Wade LeBlanc for the Mariners. So against uh, Keuchel, it's going to be Guillermo Heredia batting seventh and playing left field. Cameron Maven is in there uh, already. I saw a quote from him. He wanted to get to Seattle as soon as possible. Sleep is overrated. So uh, hopefully he won't be too sleepy. He's batting fifth for the Mariners and playing center field. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, also still no Kyle Seeker. He should be ready to return tomorrow. Uh, we have lineups for the Cubs and Pirates, Hamels and Kingham. And uh, let's see, nothing much to see there for the Cubs. And uh, for the, the Pirates, you got Jose Uzuna at first base against the lefty Hamels. Sean Rodriguez at second base. And otherwise appears to be a pretty normal Pirates uh, lineup against lefties. So, of course, that also does mean David Freeze in there at third base, and he's also about a cleanup. We've got Angels and Rays. Nick Tropiano and new Ray Tyler Glass now making his first start of the season, although he's probably only going to pitch maybe three innings at best. But Tommy Pham is in there uh, batting cleanup and in left field. No more uh, Wilson Ramos, who's a Philly now, and of course he's also still on the DL, but Michael Perez catching and batting fifth. And uh, let's see, for your uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Eric Young getting a start in center field and batting eighth. Uh, Moving on here. Uh, Nothing yet for the Marlins and Braves. That's uh, Lopez and Anibal Sanchez. Uh, Royals and White Sox, no Royals lineup yet. Uh, that's going to be Junis and Kobe. And for the White Sox, nothing unusual there in their lineup. So that gets you pretty much caught up uh, as far as that is concerned. 
as far as any uh, weather implications that might affect you uh, as you set your lineups. Looks like there's really only one game that looks pretty scary, and that is that Marlins Braves game uh, for which that we uh, don't have any lineups. So maybe it's just as well. 83% chance of precipitation for first pitch. Uh, and only dropping slightly thereafter. So that looks like a threat to be postponed uh, or at least have a bunch of delays, I would think, in the best-case scenario. Uh, a little bit of chance of rain in Pittsburgh for Cubs-Pirates, but doesn't look like uh, anything that should change your plans. So, yeah, watch out for Marlins Braves. Otherwise, looks like you are set to go to uh, get those lineups rounded out. All right, well, uh, got some... Uh, performances from Tuesday that are going to definitely be worth going over. But uh, before we do that, uh, just a quick note here. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, give the props builder tool at mybookie.ag a try. Forget about having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Avoid the experts winning 90% of all the money. Instead, invest in the players that you want, but without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. So no more dealing with late lineup scratches. There's no experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and then choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie. Dot .ag promo code FNTSY So, on to the standout performances from Tuesday's games. The big one. Uh and one that certainly puts an exclamation point on a really good run of starts lately is uh Zach Godley uh going 7 innings, 7 scoreless innings against the Rangers. Just two hits, just one walk. There's a key stat. 10Ks, you always like to see that too. But Godley is doing something really, really unusual, and not just in this start. His control has been pretty poor all season long. But lately, it hasn't seemed to matter. Uh, and, And if you're thinking, well, it's just the Rangers, and the Rangers aren't that selective. Well, that's just, like I said, one start and a very consistent pattern now over six starts in a row. Uh, over those six starts, Godley has walked just nine batters in 30 and two-thirds innings, despite having pretty poor control. And when I say poor control, I mean not locating in the zone. Obviously, he's got really good command, because over those 30 and two-thirds innings, again, just nine walks, but 38 strikeouts, well more than a strikeout per inning. And all of that has added up uh, or at least contributed to a 2.64 ERA. So again, this is over six starts. is a pretty decent stretch now. Um, and backing that up, like I said, not a lot of control, a 34% rate of pitches in the strike zone. That is really, really below average. Like a, a average would be somewhere in like the mid 40%, like maybe 44 and again, <laughs> let me contrast that. Godley's at 34% over this really good stretch of starts. But he's gotten chases, swings on the pitches not in the zone, at a 43% rate, which is like almost 50%, not 
50 percentage points, but like 50 percent high of a higher rate than what would be normal. It's like a normal rate would be around 30 uh, or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 30 percent. He's been at 43 percent. And again, this is consistent. Start after start after start, you know, 40 some odd percent, 40 some odd percent. Just getting chases galore. So not pitching in the zone much, but getting a ton of swings and getting a ton of swings and misses. 16% whiff rate over those six starts. So Godley is succeeding in a really, really unconventional way. And I have no idea how sustainable this is. But this isn't just sort of like he's been kind of good at getting chases. I mean, this is like off the charts good. So for the time being, I'm going to trust him. And certainly, you know, maybe the only place where I would have a little trepidation is like against the Dodgers who are just super, super selective. But I think against just about anybody else, I'd feel pretty good right now about starting Zach Godley. And there's there's certainly a lesson for me in this in that it was probably a month ago on this show. I don't think any more recently than that, but certainly I think would say within a month or so ago where I was telling people on the show and on Twitter and in my writing to consider dropping Zach Godley. So when somebody has shown skills over an extended period of time and they just kind of lose it, like Godley had lost it for much of the first half, uh, you can't really completely count them out. And I think you got to do your best to stash them. And I think I need to be a little bit more cautious uh, in in terms of that. I made a, a bad error in terms of trading away Kyle Hendricks just as he was starting to turn his season around. So patience. Patience is the key. And patience is also the key when you're facing Zach Godley. Uh, Anyway, uh, John Gray with yet another good start. He's on a nice run since getting called back up. Uh, Against the Cardinals, seven innings, three runs, only two earned on four hits, two walks, and five Ks. Since his recall, Gray has made three starts. They've all gone at at least seven innings. Uh, They've all been quality starts, really much better than quality starts. And the real big change there for Gray, because if you recall, when Gray got sent down and and shortly thereafter, I was saying, I think he might have deserved a demotion uh, because he was just too hittable, despite getting swigs and misses. I know it's an oxymoron, but, uh, you know, sort of the Robbie Ray mold of like when contact was being made, uh, you know, it was damaging contact. Damaging contact. Well, uh, Grace in the three starts, it's a call up. He's got a 61% ground ball rate and has given up just one home run. So there is a change there. This is not just Babbitt progression. This is John Gray getting a lot of ground balls, which he was not doing before. Uh, Matt Boyd with another good start. He had a little bit of a lull and has recovered from that. Uh, he went uh, eight innings. Now, this is Tuesday. Tigers have already played today. Uh, in fact, I, I say already have played. I'm not sure if that one's wrapped up or not. It looks like actually it's not. That one is in the eighth inning still. But Tigers are up 7-4. to four. Mike Fires removed early uh, from that one with a shin contusion. But let's get back to yesterday's game. Uh, Matt Boyd going eight scoreless innings, four hits, one walk, seven Ks against the Reds. He is the only pitcher in the major leagues who's... Uh, allowed at least 75 fly balls, but has allowed an average fly ball distance below 300 feet. I mean, that's exceptional. That you rarely see over that large of a sample. So a 297-foot average fly ball distance for Matt Boyd, that is outstanding. That's allowing him to succeed. Uh, He faced Homer Bailey, who turned in his second 
straight really good start. A complete game for Bailey. Uh, six Ks, just one walk, three hits, two runs uh, over eight innings for Homer Bailey uh, against the Tigers. So uh, his velocity's up, and I'm not sure if that explains uh, everything or anything for Bailey, but two good starts in a row for him. Wade Miley with a good start, seven scoreless with five strikeouts against the Dodgers. He's got a 1.53 ERA this year. That looks completely unsustainable. Uh, basically, the one thing that you can point to that supports what he's done is that he has yet to give up a home run, and he's not allowing very many pulled fly balls. But uh, I am skeptical that he's going to be able to sustain that. Derek Rodriguez with another good start. One run over seven innings against the Padres. And Kobe Allard making his debut for the Braves. uh, Major League debut. Uh, Not that great, though. Uh, Five runs in five innings. Four earned runs on nine hits. Two walks, just one strikeout. And that, I believe, was just going to be a spot start for Allard anyway. And needing to wrap up here, uh, we'll just uh, get two hitters into the show here. Daniel Murphy with the two-homer game. Uh, I saw uh, in a league that I'm in, uh, an owner traded Murphy during that game yesterday. That's a good sell high right there. (laughs) So uh, Murphy, really hot, though, not just this one game. He's hit 415 over his last 17 games. And Francisco Cervelli had not been hot. He had been 5 for 54. That was, of course, interrupted by a DL stint. Uh, but he hit his 10th homer in a two-hit game against the Cubs on Tuesday. So maybe Cervelli can get back on track. So uh, I guess we can all get back on track with watching some day baseball. A lot of games to watch there. Uh, and, uh, you know, six games tonight to watch. Maybe just five, actually. Because it doesn't look like that Braves-Marlins game is going to happen. But keep an eye on that one. Anyway, uh, been great uh, spending this hour with you. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you'll tune in again tomorrow for a Nando Thursday. I can't wait. All right. Have a great one, everybody. Hope to see you tomorrow. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. News update. In baseball, Astros outfielder George Springer is currently listed as day-to-day on Wednesday. It was not his day as he was out of the Astros starting lineup. He's dealing with shoulder soreness. Yankees.